Hey, I'm Melies, the Story Collector, and this is The Courage 1000 Project, the show where we share personal stories of inner courage from all around the world to inspire you to find your own. In today's episode, we're talking with Faye Chan. What we're going to talk about is how your freedom from your beliefs can be really liberating. And she's going to share with us her story about how she finally found her groove in the culmination of all her work experience after four and a half years of being in business for herself. Now, Faye is a money and budgeting coach, and she uses EFT tapping, which is the emotional freedom technique, to help her clients alleviate stress and anxiety associated with financial well-being issues. Her approach to financial solutions lies not only in the practical and logical, but also in the emotional awareness of how we deal with money. So she really offers a complete holistic angle to getting you back in your power. Now, before we jump into the interview, we do have to say a quick thank you to our episode sponsor, Samantha Jansen Publishing. She publishes books for individuals wanting to write an autobiography, uh, small business owners writing a book to leverage and monetize their profile, and much, much more. So if this is something you're interested, jump over to samanthajansenpublishing.com for more information. And now on with the show. The first question I always ask is why do you want to share this particular story with everybody? Um, because I think a lot of people are feeling trapped with, within themselves. And not trapped because they can't do anything about it, but because there's a lot of social expectations that are not theirs, right? So you've got your parents, you've got the social, you've got your peers, you've got what you think you should do, and you've got your culture as well, mm. right? Yep. And having come from a different culture and different ethnicities have different expectations, um, you form all those opinions and goals thinking they're yours but they're actually not mm, yes yes right? and when one. and when you realize that you spent your life getting your degrees doing your jobs earning the really good income and all that stuff to serve as an expectation that's actually not coming from you you like the core of you but it's coming from everything else outside of you that's formed in what you think is good or what you think is bad or what you think is successful or not, that you're servicing a goal that's not yours. Yes, yes. So where did your story start then? Where does this all begin for you? Well, um, it all began back in 2004, right? So um, for me, having come from an Asian cultural background and we migrated from Malaysia when I was nine years old, so you're going to think it's, it's, it's um, academics, um, it's very filial piety, in other words, respect for elders and it's always the male side of the line that, that's, that's favoured over the female side of the line, right? Um, um, cultural expectations of um, the value they put on money, having money means you're successful. If you don't, means you're not successful or haven't made it in life. Yeah. And I guess that's across all other cultures, even Western cultures too, but much more from the survival context of a lot of ethnicities, right? You won't only see this in the Chinese, you see this in the Indians, you see this in the Jews, in the, the, the Mediterraneans, right? Um, so it came from all those expectations. So, you know, I did, 
high school, got a really good VCE score, or what they call enter school now, I mean Victoria, and then got into Melbourne University with a double degree, was commerce and arts. And then at the end of that degree, um, you know, got two or three graduate job offers and I chose one with a large IT consulting firm. So all set and I went and did my traveling, came back to start the role. And when I got there and we were, um, I remember a specific moment we were training, um, a graduate training in Chicago. So the company flew us over to Chicago to train. And I'm sitting there going, I'm actually in the toilets. And I remember thinking to myself, having chatting, you know, with other colleagues and other graduates in my class going, this is what I signed up for. Like all this IT stuff, programming stuff, all the different processes and systems and, and, and things like that. I'm just going, this isn't what I thought I signed up for. Not, not because the job description wasn't there, right? But it's the, the world of work and how I wanted to be utilized. That wasn't what I signed up for. You yeah. know, I signed up, I signed up for a process, signed up for what people expected. I signed up for um, the name of this big firm in my, on my CV, but it was more, it wasn't a fulfillment of what I thought I'll be used for. Mm, yeah. Right? Yeah. So there was, so a, there was a mismatch between yourself and their expectations. Correct. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's myself and what I got myself into. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the company, right? And then, um, and anyway, so I did a few, you know, a few years passed and they had a, um, they recruited too many people at that time. So they gave us what we call flex leave. And it meant that we could take leave from the company six to 12 months and still get 50% of pay. Right. So I went, great opportunity. Let's go for flex leave. And I did. And then the security of not, not having a job or the insecurity of not having a job got me back into another job. And this time I was in a graduate program with the Victorian Auditor General's office, Vago. Right. So I thought I'll try the accounting side because it's the IT side. I'll try the accounting side because that's what I had qualifications for being for a Bachelor of Commerce and Bachelor of Arts. Right. So I went into Vago, the Auditor's General's office, and I'm like, and I'm, and I'm there on different department, departmental client sites, right? Because I'm there at the Department of Education and I'm substantially testing some files and, and things, some very auditor-oriented things on invoices and things. And I'm sitting here going, this is what I signed up for either. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> so here I am having been in two graduate roles, Right. Um, and I'm sitting there going, right. So shall I do my CPA, like my accounting qualification or not? And I sat, I remember sitting there in the exam. I got myself to the point where I had to do the exam. And there's this back then, there's this massive thick textbooks, you know, um, corporate um, textbooks. There's all compliance stuff, right, about what you can yeah. and can't do in the situation. And I walked out of the exam. Good work. I just went. I just went from here on in. I'm not gonna do anything that I'm not passionate about. Like I walked out of the exam. Yeah. Oh, I'm not gonna get myself qualified in anything I'm not passionate about. 
Yeah. Because really, I wasn't passionate about my commerce degree at all. If it wasn't for my arts degree and the philosophy and the anthropology subjects I did there, it wouldn't have gotten me through my Bachelor of Commerce either. It was so dry. Yeah. And so... But I went back to the other graduate role that I took the flex leave from and I did a few more years there. And every single Christmas drinks, we were all chatting and yakking about getting a better pay with a better job. But really, you're just going from one to another to another. It's like cookie cutter. And just, it's just a different circumstance, but you're doing the same thing. You're in the corporate arena. Yeah. yeah. And I was really getting dissatisfied in myself. And I went and actually did a personal development course that really shone the light on how come you are the way you are given your past experiences. And I remembered a specific event when I was seven years old in this um, personal development course when I brought home a report card and I slipped grades. And this is back in Malaysia where academics is really important. And my dad punished me for having slipped grades in, from term one through to term two. And um, this is in grade one. I was seven years old, by the way. And that's how, it, 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 you know, the, the school system is in Malaysia. It probably yeah. still is. Um, and, you know, I so say I got punished and I thought to myself, in order to get my parents' love, I must do well. Yes. So that I must do well got me through high school, got me through university because I did well, right? And got me those jobs that I did because I did well. Yeah. Right. So I'm sitting there, I think as a 28 year old at that time going, so my seven year old self chose my career, not me. Like it, it was determined. By, it. <laughs> yeah, it was determined by a truth that you had as a seven year old or you had as a six year old or five year old, whatever it is. Yeah. That truth determined my outcome. Yeah. And that truth and like, is in the eyes of a child. So that truth is skewed from an adult's perspective. Yeah. And so it became my reality. In, and, I, and I was in my late 20s at that time. And I'm going, fruit. <laughs> right? And the day I realised that, that night, I wrote my resignation letter. Good work. Next day, I resigned with nothing else to go to. Because yeah. I realise one more day here means one less day discovering what I'm passionate about. And I had no idea what that was, none. But I knew by having one more day here and not having taken that leap, it will mean one less day discovering what I'm passionate about. That was a so huge the next morning, for you. Oh, huge. I was, yeah. the, when I was handing over my resignation letter, I was sobbing because it was such a threat to my personality, such a threat to what, to my values, um, such a threat to my own security. And all this is perceived, right? But they're perceived threats. And I was feeling really threatened because I'm resigning from the life that I know that I should have. Yeah. Right. So when I was resigning, I was bawling my eyes out. And I remember there was a senior partner on the, at that particular client as well. And he took me into another room, meeting room, said, what's wrong? Is, you know, are we not treating you right? Blah, blah, blah. You know, why are you, why have you resigned today? Are you sure? And then I told him what I told you. 
one more day here means one less day discovering what I'm passionate about. And I need to go do that whilst I still can, right? I've got savings behind me, you know, worst case scenario, I go back to a job, right? I don't know what it is, but I need to start discovering. And, um, and he actually stopped, thought about it. And then he said, he goes, well, Faye, I wish you all the best because I wish I could do what you're doing, but I've got three kids and a mortgage. Wow. That's huge. Right. And he's like, that's what I mean. You're caught in a trap. Yeah. And and can't walk out. Right. Quoting suspicious minds from Elvis Presley. You're caught (laughs) in a trap. I can't walk out. (laughs) Because it really is. It's, you think it's the love for the role, but no, it's love for the, lifestyle maintenance for the season of your life that you know he this particular person had a mortgage and three kids you you have to be responsible for those particular aspects too or do something about them right yeah and that's and it's hard when you've got other people to consider i get that there's a there's a bigger impact there then i was 28 single had savings behind me um at that time was still living at home so i'm like three days i can take the risks Yes. Yeah. So, so what happened? It. What happened when you took the risk? Um, oh, I then, I then was thinking, what do, I, what do I want to do? And I'm thinking, I love working with people because back at uni, I had a lot of retail and hospitality jobs and I actually loved the interaction with people. Yeah. And then a friend of mine was starting up a recruitment company. So I went, why don't I join you? I like people. You know, I can do stuff. Let's just give it a, give it a go. So I did. And what I enjoyed about it was interviewing people and finding out their concerns rather than it is putting them to the job. Oh, I right? the interview process was the part that you loved the most. I loved, I loved that the most. And because I got to know the human being. Mm, yes. And, um, and so I just went, okay, so let's get into training and development. Yep. and then I worked I, I somehow oh, at that time um, my then boyfriend and myself moved to Dubai and um, and I managed to find a role facilitating for a um, corporate training company and I started working with them and when I came back to Australia I continued working with them but then afterwards um, the personal development company that I did my courses with offered me a role Wow. And they're called Landmark Education, right? And I did plenty of courses. I kept on going with courses and peeling back my own layers and stuff like that. And I was offered to go on staff. And um, a place like that isn't a job. It's a vocation because you're dealing with yourself to, to create the results um, they have for work, right? And you're dealing with other people's personal development issues, and being the clearing and the, and leading in that for them. Yeah. And for example, let's just say, um, I was in charge of a course called the Landmark Forum. I was in charge of getting people to the course paid up in full and turning up. But the Landmark Forum looks at all different aspects of your life that you're really confronted by but want to break through in. Yeah. So what, what comes up before the course is all the crap you need to get through to get yourself to the course. Yeah. Like a lady said... I don't want to let, I want to break through in my jealousy because I'm really jealous of my husband, right? But the course is three and a half days long. I don't want to leave him alone. 
<laughs> yep. So you get that. psychological things are coming up, which are stopping them from actually getting there in the first place. <laughs> Correct. And that's the breakthrough she wanted. So, so you're dealing with people, people and their values and their insecurities. And I worked in that. So I had to deal with myself to deal with them. Yes. Yeah. So that was the most beautiful and brutal training that I've ever had in any job, in any job. It wasn't a job. It was a vocation. <laughs> I reckon, <laughs> you know, and then, um, and then after that, I still um, worked inside training and development by in the corporate side. And then I started working in my budget. Mm, okay. Right. Which is a company that helps people with their budgeting. Yeah. And I am, I, I always had people come up to me and ask me about um, finances and stuff like that. So yeah. I thought, oh, this is like my love for personal finance and my coaching site coming together in one. Mm, yeah. So I started working for my budget and I realised at that time how many people have no idea about their money issues. Yes. It was a it was a different level, but concentrated in a specific topic, right? Obviously, with the budgets and and things. And people people that turned up um, had a real transformation as well because you needed to regurgitate your life financially. So by the time I had the spreadsheet in front of me of your budget, like what you spend your money and time on, what the expense items are, what you've got left or haven't got left, it was your life on a spreadsheet yeah. and people were petrified and they still are. Yeah. Right. So it was a new level. It was a different, a different conversation, but concentrated on people's life, but through their numbers. Yeah. So you were still doing personal development with them, but it was more focused through their finances that you were helping them see that. Yeah. And I was working obviously for a company and I was in charge. Um, I was the coal face and it was a more like a sales role to have them sign up to the company, to have the company manage their budgets for them, manage the money for them. Right. Yeah. Which was great. And then I got, um, after that, I got married, got pregnant and um, when maternity leave came about and I had, you know, and I was thinking about returning to work and I did the sums. It just didn't, it didn't compute for me. Yes. And, um, and that's when my husband went, why don't you start your own? Like really coach people in, in how they are about their money and coach people so that they can really um, regain the power back within themselves in the area of money. Mm-hmm. And so I went, okay, cool. And that's how Budgeting 123 came about. Wow. Um, so it really was bringing all your life experience together into yeah. the one business. Yep. It really is. And, I mean, it still continues because I've come to realise across the last couple of years that people are still very dear in the headlines about finances, right? Yeah. Um, by the time they reach, reach out for my help, they're ready and they're aware, but they've dealt with the whole pipeline of um, emotions, embarrassment, being ashamed, being scared, being fearful of it. Yeah. Um, you know, that like that life keeps going. They're okay with it, but they're just surviving and they're not willing to inter- intervene. 
And so I'm going, how do I, how do I help that part of the pipeline before they're ready to come see me about the budgets, right? Yeah. And, and I've known about EFT, emotional freedom technique, tapping, yeah. for about a decade because one of the ladies um, that I trained with, I've known with, with landmark education through my personal development background. So I've known her since then. And I thought, do you know what? EFT is becoming a lot more mainstream now. Yes. Yes. Right? Most people know what it is these days. <laughs> and so I'm like, I am going to tap into that part of the pipeline with tapping. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and so I just rang my mentor up. I said, Jenny, where's your next course? And she goes, X date. I'm like, great, I'm there. So I got onto it, but I want, and, and it's a, it's a modality that I'm so passionate about and in love with because it's just effective and fast and it allows me to come through like my prowess with coaching that I've had. Yeah. Right. Because when people are in front of me, I can go straight for the jugular and go bang, 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 bang and deal with it. Right. But I need to get them in front of me. Yeah. And tapping is such a mindful practice that that is gentle enough, but enough to have no escape. Mm, I like it. You know what I mean? As in, as in when you're tapping and you're talking about it, right, there's no escape. You're talking about it. You need to be mindful of it and tapping yourself and following me at the same time. Yeah. And, and the breakthroughs will come because it's about the, you know, my seven-year-old event about my report card. Yeah. That, that by tapping, you will, you will tap into that event for yourself about money or about your relationship to money or about your mom or your dad. Um, and it will come up. It, it, there's no, there's no escape and you don't won't know when it's going to come up and you don't even know that's the memory that's been cemented for you. That's going to come up. Yeah. And so tapping does accesses it really, really powerfully and really quickly. And you can break through major significant blockages in as little as three or four sessions. And that's three or four hours versus um, sitting in a course for three or four days. Now, the courses do have an advantage as well of being immersed in the conversation. And I love personal development yeah. courses. But for people that are wanting to do tapping one-on-one, it is a very fast and effective solution and fast and effective mindfulness practice for you to get to something really quickly. So that's why I thought, yeah, it's like tapping into the money. You know, money has people go crazy. You know, you introduce money into any relationship, a business, relationship, parent-child relationship, whatever, people go crazy. Yes, yes. (laughs) And as you were saying earlier, it's all those societal expectations that are put on us that drive that that fear and the shit and everything else around it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So for you then, where did courage really present itself and what does it mean for you? Um where does courage present itself? Courage presents itself when um, you've got a very fearful thought that is right on point. Mm, I like it. Yep. Right. And it's, and, and look, I call it fearful, but it feels fearful, like threatening to us, but it actually comes from a place of purity and love. Yep. 
but it is, it scares the shit out of people. Like when I knew I needed to resign and I handed over the resignation letter and that was resigning from my life as I knew it. That's scary. That's That's really really scary. (laughs) Right. But the courage was back before then when I saw the event and I saw the realization, but you can see it and you can say, Oh, nice realization. Thank you for sharing with me. And then go, go on with your life. Yeah. Right. And that, that courageous moment bypasses you and bypass you bypass the opportunity to be courageous. Mm. Now being courageous requires action. So that courage does show up for you to utilize in the action. I like it. I like it. Right. So if, so for me, the courageous action was the realization and then acting on it called, I'm going to tell my parents, I'm going to, I'm going to leave work. I've typed up the letter and I'm bawling my eyes out, but I'm handing over the letter. Yeah. That's, that's where the actions required. Like I was still petrified, but I, but you just have to do it to honor yourself. So courage isn't just realization. Realization is just a thought. It is not courageous to have a thought. You can just have many thoughts. Yeah. Right. Oh, nice thought. Oh, another thought. Oh, thanks for sharing with me. You know, thoughts. Thoughts mean don't have, don't have the, um, the oomph, the whatever the, you know, it doesn't have currency. It doesn't have emotional currency. Yeah. What has emotional currency is the action that follows the thought. Do you feel you are destined to make an impact in this world, but are struggling to find the courage to share your story? Jump over to mellies.com.au for free training, presentations and videos, or simply stay tuned for the next episode of The Courage 1000 Project.